0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 25th of November 2012, entitled, Give No Room to the Devil, and the Bible reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 32. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. All right, let's open our Bibles this, this evening to uh, Ephesians chapter 4, um, Mentioned this morning that God willing would be looking at this passage of Scripture this evening on uh, giving no place to the devil. Um, in my study Bible here, as we look at Ephesians chapter four, we're going to begin reading in verse seventeen. There's a little subtitle in there that says the walk of the believer as a new man in Christ Jesus. The remainder of the verses in this uh, chapter really are dealing with that walk as a believer once we become that new creation that we just sang about there earlier. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word, beginning in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, Because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt, according to the deceitful lust, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil Let him that stole still no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption." Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tender tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us. Father, we thank you again this evening. Lord, we thank you that we can be here. We thank you that you've allowed us to come together again in this place that has been set aside. Lord, for your glory, for your worship, for your work in this community. Father, we thank you for your word before us that we just had the privilege of reading from. We thank you for that Holy Spirit that we read about that lives within us, that truly has sealed us until that day when you return for us once again. Father, tonight as we look into your word once again, we thank you that, Lord, that that spirit is here with us this evening, Lord, to take and uh, bring these words forth in a way that cannot be brought forth by man, Father. We pray for that this evening. Uh, we take no credit. We pray, Lord, that everything is said in the way that it's said would bring glory and honor to you. That you would speak to hearts what you so desire to speak. And help us each and every one, Lord, to receive and respond in whatever way we need, and we'll give you the praise for it. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Amen. I guess a word that is pretty commonly used, and we hear a lot, really two words that we want to think on this evening because with all of these things in mind, now certainly we we can't even begin to touch on all the things that are in these verses. Our focus really is in all of these things, what we find here is that this new walk that we have as a believer, once we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, it's different than the way we used to walk. It's different than the way we used to act. It's different than the way we used to talk. We are a new creation. And he's using this contrast here back and forth in a lot of different ways about what it was like and what it is like now and what it ought to be like for us as Christians. And of course, we still live in this world. The world is always there. One thing that we hear often in the news even, especially with a lot of the fighting and the going on and the, the rioting and all that even we, even is on the, on the news today and in parts of the world, is these words, negotiate and compromise. Uh, and I want us to think here this evening, the Bible says in verse 27, neither give place to the devil. You know, the devil wants to negotiate with every one of you. And when he negotiates, the whole sheer idea of that is that a compromise has got to come in from one side or the other or both. Many years ago, there was a small Jewish lad, and he lived in Germany. And he asked his father this question one day after a number of things had happened in their lives. He said, Dad, he said, why must we surrender our Jewish faith and start attending this Lutheran service here in Germany. This was the father's reply. He said, son, we must abandon our faith so that people will accept us, so that they will support our business venture and will be able to make a living. That young lad never really got over the disappointment nor the bitterness that he felt that day. His faith in his father, his faith in his religion, and everything to do with God was totally crushed. The young boy grew up to be a young man, and he left Germany, and he came to England to study in London. It was there when studying that all these things that he formed his philosophies for life from those intensive investigations that he made and trying to to figure out what life was all about and how it was supposed to work, he ended up writing a book. The title of that book was The Communist Manifesto. Of course, most of us would recognize the name today of Karl Marx. And of course, the Marxist-Leninist ideology that came from that book and spread around the world. That man influenced literally billions of people and billions of people's lives. And during the past 70 years of that influence upon the world, because of his influence, many lives were ruined. Many lives were imprisoned. Many lives were impoverished because of his ideologies. Now, I'm thankful, for one, that today that 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 kind of thinking, that ideology has for the most part crumbled, but only because of the tragic consequences that came from it that people began to see. You see, that dad's hypocrisy, was multiplied many times over in infamy, if you would, through his Son, and then to the effect of billions and billions of lives. The statement has been made that without godly faith, all of us are subject to distortions in our perspectives. What does that mean? Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's a very natural thing for an inquisitive mind to want to know how things work. You know, we don't all consider ourselves philosophers, but we all have philosophies. We all have ideas about how things work and how things should work, and sometimes those will differ a little bit, and sometimes they'll differ greatly. But what the comment that was being made is simply saying this. When you take God out of the picture, when you don't have faith in a God that we do as believers, then all those other perspectives are going to be distorted if God is not part of it. You see, compromise is the blurring of differences, if you would. They're no longer black and white. They are the... Sheer fact of somebody having to concede what they really believe is right, consenting to something that they don't really think is right. We find that compromise sometimes is a matter of maybe changing the question a little bit so that the answer fits more nicely. Turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. I just want you to know. Now, you know, sometimes sometimes negotiations can be good. Sometimes compromise can be good. The problem is what we're seeing here is that, yes, when we're dealing with man and his philosophies and his ideologies and the things that we come up with, we're never perfect anyway. There's room for movement, negotiating, and compromise. And sometimes that's the way that two sides that are totally opposed can, can find a common ground that they can come together. But what I want you to realize is that the reason, you know, when all those things get distorted, when God's not in the picture, because God's Word can't be compromised. God's truths can never be negotiated. And that's what the devil wants us to do. We find that in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, we find a great example of this. Word of God begins, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. The devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, Command this stone that it be made bread. Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, The man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. I want you to notice this next one especially. He says, And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And He brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple in said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. When the devil was ended, all the temptation he departed from him for a season. You see, the devil was trying to negotiate with Jesus Christ himself. He was trying to get Jesus to compromise. Negotiation means to bargain with somebody. It means to find a, a common ground, if you would. And one of the devil's great tactics that he uses with Christians is to somehow negotiate a compromise just as he was trying with Jesus Christ himself here. In this country, Great Britain, the United States, Israel, and other nations of the world, they have a policy which is that they do not negotiate with terrorists. Never. Are they to compromise in any way to find common ground with a terrorist? We find that the book of Jude, we won't turn there for the sake of time, but in Jude verse 9, we find that even Michael, the angel, was tempted to negotiate, but he would not negotiate with Satan. You see, we have to stand our ground. When it comes to the word of God, we have to stand our ground when it comes to the will of God. It's an area where we just simply cannot afford to waver. We need more like the three Hebrew children that were cast into the fiery furnace. We usually call them sh- uh, Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because those names, I don't know, is what we're taught in Sunday school, and, and even those unusual names. And I'm not good with names, but they stick there. But their real names that they were called by God's people. I still have to write those down. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah it's the names that they were known by. We need some more, like those three Hebrew children. We need more Daniels, like the song that said, Dare to be a Daniel. Yes, dare to stand your ground, even if it means being cast into the lion's den with the lions. We find that one of the great examples that we have in Scripture of this is in the book of Exodus because there we know that as we begin to look there that there was a a lot of negotiating (laughs) was trying to take place between Pharaoh and Egypt In God's children, we find that Moses and Aaron, they go before Pharaoh. And there in Exodus chapter five, notice what it says in the first couple of verses. It says, And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Well, Moses and Aaron, they go on and they make the demands precisely as God tells them to do. They ask specifically that Israel be allowed to go into the wilderness a three-day's journey in order to worship the Lord. Pharaoh refused again. And basically, he just told them that, you know, that really service of God was a waste of time. That what he really needed to do is instead of giving these people time off work in order to worship God, they needed to be working harder. As a matter of fact, because he asked it, he said, Matter of fact, they are going to work harder. These that have been uh, uh, bringing their supplies to them, they're not going to do that. They're going to have to go out and get their own straw and their own mud now. There's no time to be messing around with with this God of yours. Well, God began to bring the plagues. We can read about them, but that's not our main emphasis this evening. The first plague He brought upon them, and of course Moses and Aaron, they were going They were were giving the warning, this is what God said. Pharaoh says, I don't have time for it. The first plague, he turned the water into blood. And of course, the life in them began to die. Then they were invaded by the frogs. And then the lice came and everybody was covered with lice. And then, I don't know why, it kind of grosses me out the worst, the swarms of flies. They're nasty creatures. These swarms of flies came upon them. You know, if we were looking this evening, we begin to look at what was taking place there. I want you to see that here with this negotiations that Pharaoh was trying to have with Moses and Aaron that was taking place. We have some real good examples. We certainly can't cover it all. But I want to give you just a few areas tonight where that the devil will negotiate with you and try to get you to compromise. You know, we've got an enemy. And the simple truth is one way that you know what to expect from your enemy and how to stand against him is look at what he's done before. We know that he's capable of this. We know that this is the way that he works. I started listing out the ways and trying to, to summarize it for you. It really has to do with compromise of our position, of our passions, and our possessions. It has to do with compromise when it comes to the world, when it comes to our ward, those that we are responsible for, our, our family and those close to us, and our wealth. It has to do, first of all, that position, that Compromise with the world. You see, it's our relation to the world. Notice after these four plagues, notice what happens then in chapter 8. This is where we find that for the first time that this compromise is brought before them. Chapter 8, let's begin reading in verse 20. And it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the water and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, let my people go, that they may serve me. Else if thou wilt not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee and upon thy servants and upon thy people and into thy houses and the houses of the Egyptians shall be Full of swarms of flies and also the ground whereon they are. And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there. To the end thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. And I will put a division between my people and thy people tomorrow shall this sign be. You think? I mean, he'd had three plagues up to that point. This is the fourth one. You'd think he'd be beginning to get the message. In verse 24, and the Lord did so. And there came a grievous swarm of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servant's house and into the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted by reason of the swarm of flies. He's got Moses. I mean, he's got Pharaoh's attention now. And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. Ah, and Moses said, it is not meet so to do. For we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes? And will they not stone us? We will go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he shall command us. What's happened here? Well, he's went and he's told them they need to go three days' journey into the wilderness away from Egypt. What's Egypt a sign of in the Bible? The world. Who's the prince of this world? The devil. Who do you think Pharaoh is typifying as the prince of Egypt in this story? The devil. So he's come in and, and, and you know, they've been, let my people go. We're going to go three days' journey into the wilderness so that we can make these sacrifices to our Lord. What does Pharaoh come back? He says, well, he said, you go ahead and make your sacrifices right here. Go ahead and make your sacrifices in the land right here where you make your sacrifices, but you don't need to go three days into the wilderness. In other words, in our terminology today, go ahead. Go ahead and do your little Christian thing. Go ahead and worship, but stay in the world while you're doing it. Don't go out there away from the world. Don't go out of Egypt. Stay in Egypt to do it. Be a Christian if you will. But don't be one of those narrow-minded ones, for goodness sake. Be a Christian if you will, but stay in the world. Stay in Egypt. Just like Karl Marx's dad. You see, this leads to conforming to the world. It leads to being more conscious of pleasing the world, of seeking the world's approval so that life can be a bit simpler. devil doesn't mind an occasional going to church and maybe even a token offering in the offering plate and maybe a, occasionally a burst of religious activity. Be a Christian, but don't go off the deep end. Don't be one of those religious fanatics. You see, he doesn't want us to leave his realm of influence. He wants us to, to stay in Egypt where he's still in control, where he still has an influence over our lives and all the things that are going on around us because he wants to maintain whatever power and influence that he can over our lives. Go ahead. If you got to, go spend that hour, an hour and a half in church on Sunday. But, man, don't worry about that stuff the rest of the week. Get away from it. You know, Moses could have compromised there because it might seem that, well, the important thing was making the sacrifice to God. But that's not what God instructed. God had said, go three days' journey into the wilderness. And make the sacrifice to me. Pharaoh says, okay. I got your message. Okay, you can make this sacrifice. But you don't have to go out there to do it. Just go ahead and I'll let you do it right there where you are. Hmm. Israel. If Moses would have compromised. Israel would have never left Egypt. If Israel would have stayed in Egypt, and even though that they would have done as Pharaoh was allowing them. Well, according to verse 26 there, the Egyptians were still going to hate them anyway. <laughs> they were going to be abhorred for what they were doing, for the things they were doing in their midst. You see, the devil tried to get you to say, well, hey, man, most of those Christians out there, why well, they're only maybe 60 or 70% committed anyway. Why, you're 99% committed. You're doing a lot better than they are. I wrote this down. I didn't experiment with all these to find out for sure. I just simply took the facts down. Do you know 99% commitment? If that were applied to your telephone, your electricity, your gas, your water, and all the utilities running into your house... You'd have to choose almost 15. It's like 14.4 minutes a day that you wouldn't have any of any of those because they were 99% good. Apparently, 99% commitment by the mail service would mean that there'd only be something under 2 million pieces of first-class mail lost every day. The rest of it would get there okay. It would mean that... uh, Approximately 35,000 newborn babies would be uh, dropped on their heads by the doctors or the nurses in the hospitals. They were 99% careful. Means that 200,000 people would get the wrong drugs and prescriptions than what they really needed if they were 99% correct in getting everybody what they were supposed to. If your water was safe to drink 99% of the time, it would mean you'd only have to worry about 3.65 days a year that you could drink the stuff that would kill you, make you deadly sick. This next one that I kind of thought was funny, it would mean that uh, the average uh, page would have three misspelled words if we were 99% correct. And I thought, wow, that's better than most pages that I read now. <laughs> so maybe maybe that would be an improvement <laughs> We were 99% correct correct in our food hygiene. Uh, Only 2 million people would die from food poisoning each year. You know, it's all in perspective, isn't it? The devil wants you to think, that's really great, that's really grand. But God doesn't need 99% of us. He needs 100% of us. The cross was an offense to the world. The young man enlisted and he was sent to his regiment. The first night he was in the barracks and with about 15 other young men that were soldiers as well. He passed the time. They would be over at their table. They would be playing cards and gambling and drinking and partying it up, and he would be on his knees beside his bed praying. Oh, man, they had fun with that. They'd curse him, they'd jeer him, they'd even throw their boots at him. This went on night after night. They're drinking, they're partying, they're living it up. He's trying to pray. Finally, he went to talk to the chaplain. The chaplain told him this. He said, well, he said, you know, you're not at home now. Uh, You're sharing that barracks with all those those other people. I mean, if it's making them mad, if it's upsetting them because you're praying, well, you know, do you have to do it where they know it? Can't you just quietly lie in your bed and and, and, and pray without them knowing that's what you're doing? A few weeks went by and the chaplain ran into this young man and he asked him, said, by the way, said, did you take my advice? The young man said, well, said, you know, he said, I did for, uh, for two or three nights. He said, well, how did it work? The young man said, well, he said, his term, I felt like a whipped hound. <laughs> he said, the third night I got out of my bed and got back down beside my bed and began praying again. Huh. The chaplain said, well, how did that work? And he said, well, you know, not so good. There were a few boots flying and a few words flying and a lot of jeering going on. But he said, you know, he said, uh, he said, we have a prayer meeting every night. But he said, now I'm not on my own because three of those others have been converted. The three of those others have joined me in prayer we're praying for the rest of them. You see, the simple fact is, is that the devil wants weak Christianity. He doesn't want our Christian lives to offend someone else. Folks, if they don't see Christ in us, they're never going to see him. If we're ashamed to be counted for him, that's part of the devil's attack against us. Just to get us to compromise that little bit, just like he tried to do there in Egypt. Okay, go ahead and do your sacrifices, but do it in the world. Mind that a few verses down, verse twenty-eight, he really slightly changes it just a little. This really still has to do with that uh, relationship to the world. If one, maybe the first one, is more of a a test of our separation from the world, and the second, our steadfastness to the Lord. He says there in verse 28, he said, And Pharaoh said, I will let you go, that ye may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only ye shall not go very far away. Entreat for me. And Moses said, Behold, I go out from thee. And I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh from his servants and from his people tomorrow. But let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And he removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh from his servants and from his people. There remained not one. And Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people Go. In other words, go with your Christianity, but just don't go too far. You see, Pharaoh knew it would be a whole lot easier to get Israel back if they weren't too far from the world. First, he tried to keep them right in the world. But then the second compromise was to try to get them, okay, go, but not the three days' journey that the Lord had demanded. Just go a little ways. Just just go a little ways and don't get too far away. The Israelites, we know. We know. When they got out there, when they were out there for their 40 years in the wilderness, when they were eating that manna day by day, what did they begin to go back to Moses and say, Moses! Man, let us go back there. We want the, what was it, the the cucumbers and the garlic and the stuff back there in Egypt. Instead of this manna, every meal, day after day after day. And we had it better back there in the world than we do now. You see, Pharaoh knew if they were close by, it'd be easy for them just to get right back in there. So many times that's what the devil tries to do with our lives. Okay, if you're going to live that Christian life, first of all, just live it in the world. Be a part of the world. Don't uh, don't be some fuddy-duddy out there. All right, well, if you got to do things a bit different, don't move too far from the world. Don't make them think that you're one of those real Jesus freaks or something. Just stay close. So many times, so many times, the devil knows. If he can negotiate that compromise, keep people just close to the world, then eventually they'll get discouraged and they'll be right back. And that's what he's wanting. We need to stand our ground. We need to to, to not give in. We need to, to go all the way with the Lord. We have another great illustration in Scripture. We won't turn and read all the verses, but in 2 Kings, we read about a king. Uh, called Amaziah. The Bible tells us that, you know, that really Amaziah was a good king. Uh, He even worshipped the true God. Uh, He showed mercy to the children, and he even showed mercy to some of those people that were conspiring against him and trying to bring him down. We find that, you know, he was a, a good moral example for people to look at. But then we find that he very foolishly led his troops into a shameful defeat, was finally executed by a group of rebels. We find these words in 2 Kings chapter 14 and verse 3. We're told why that Amaziah didn't experience the full blessings of the Lord. He was a good man. He was doing moral things. The text says, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, yet not like David. David was a man after God's own heart. In other words, he followed the example of his father, Josiah. He wouldn't stop the semi-pagan worship that was being conducted on the, on the hills all around the land, all around them. He didn't go quite as far as God told him to go. He simply didn't aim high enough. We find that that's exactly what Pharaoh was trying to get Egypt to do. That's exactly that's what Pharaoh was trying to get Israel to do in Egypt. That's exactly what the devil try to get us to do in the world. First of all, be a Christian if you got to, man. Just, just, just stay there. Stay a part of that world. Or you got to do more than that. Be a Christian if you must, man. Don't, don't get so far away from the world. Don't make yourself stand out. Don't be so different from them. Stay close by. So we find that after that, there were some more. Judgments came, the plagues. All the cattle were killed off. They were covered with these gushing boils. The hailstorm came, destroying everything. We find in chapter 10, <laughs> oh boy, Pharaoh's ready to negotiate again. It's got his attention a little bit, but he still wants to negotiate. You see, first of all, it had to do with our relationship to the world. I guess if we begin to to look at this one here, it really has to do more with our responsibilities to our family, our responsibilities to those that we're responsible for in both the natural and the spiritual world, I believe. Because notice what really that he tries to to negotiate here. In chapter 10, uh, beginning in verse 8, It says, And Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh, and he said unto them, Go, serve the Lord your God. But who are they that shall go? And Moses said, We will go with our young and with our old, with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our herds will we go, for we must hold a feast unto the Lord. In other words, we're all going. Moms and dads and granddads and children, everybody's going. What did Pharaoh say? And he said unto them, Let the Lord be so with you as I will let you go, and your little ones look to it, for evil is before you. Not so. Go now, ye that are men, and serve the Lord, for that ye did desire. They were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. In other words, he's saying, okay, if you've got to go, but how about leaving some of your family behind? This is going to be awful hard on the kids. It really is. Don't you think the kids would be better off here in Egypt, better off here in the world? I mean, man, you're going to make it hard for them. You know what people are going to say to them and pick on them and all this? You want them to be accepted? You want them to be popular? You want them to excel in the world's eyes? Okay. That religious stuff, it's okay for those old folks, but don't expect the young people to follow it. Okay. You've got to live that way, but boy, you really shouldn't expect it of your children. You do what you've got to do leave your children behind what was it that joshua said in joshua 24:15 as for me and my what house we will what serve the lord as for me and my house we will serve the lord you know that's the kind of commitment that we need today it's for the whole family it's for all of us not being willing to negotiate and compromise on leaving some behind, whether it's in our natural family or whether it's in our spiritual family. Sometimes, and I don't mean this nasty, I'm just trying to be honest, some people are harder work than others are. Some family members, I mean, you know, it might be brothers or sisters or moms or dads or children or whatever. Some of them are harder work than others are. It's the same in our church family. Some people are harder work than others. You know what the devil would try to get you to do? He'll want to negotiate with you. Say, oh, man, just, just forget about them. They're too much trouble. They're too much effort. You just go on and just concentrate on living your Christian life. Leave them behind. Leave them behind. It's too hard for them. You can't expect that of them. Folks... We don't want to leave anybody behind. There's no negotiation on this. Whether it's our children, whether it's our family, whoever it is, there's no room for negotiation. Pharaoh knew something. Pharaoh knew that if he let them go out there and do their thing for God, if their wives or children or those they cared about were back there, (laughs) Guess where they would be when things got tough? They'd be right back there with them again. It'd pull them right back in there. And He knew that. He knew there was a good chance. This was, this was allowing him to, to keep more of a hold on them. There's no room. There's no room. We can't give the devil any room. We can't give him any room. Not when it comes to our relationship to the world, the Bible says, come ye out from amongst them and be ye separate. We need to be separate from the world. Yes, we want to try to win the world, but not part of the world. They're things. And it's not a question of just trying to come a little ways where we're okay. We read there in Ephesians, we leave that old man behind, those old ways, those old things. That's not us anymore. We try to bring the whole family with us. We don't compromise by leaving those behind. We find that he tries one-fourth one here that I want to give you. You see, the first compromise had to do with the relationship to the world, both the separation and the steadfastness. The second one had to do with our responsibilities to the family. We could say our solidarity. You know, solidarity is when people are together. That's the way it ought to be. It ought to be that way with our with our blood families, and it ought to be that way with our spiritual families. You can mess up, you can do what you want, but you're not going to be able to make me quit loving you. You're not going to be able to make me quit caring. I don't care how hard at work that you are. There's no compromise. That's the devil that wants us to give up. This fourth compromise that he tried here, notice in chapter 10, Verses 24 to 26. He says, And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye, serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. You see, first he tried to get him to leave the kids behind. (laughs) He said, Okay, okay, if you got to take your kids. Leave you the resources that you have, the possessions, all that you have. Let me keep control over those things. And Moses said, Thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Listen, our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not an hoof be left behind, for thereof must we take to serve the Lord our God, and we know not. With what we must serve the Lord until we come thither. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let them go. See, this is that simple matter of stewardship. We got separation, we got steadfastness, solidarity, stewardship. We got him trying to get us to compromise over the relation, our relation to the world, over our responsibilities to the family, and over the resources for which we're entrusted. Be a Christian. But don't use what you've got for God. Don't use it for the Lord. Keep, keep that in the world. Use it for these worldly pleasures. Again, we have a great biblical illustration, King Saul there. He spared Agag and all the, the Bible calls them, good things. God had told him to destroy it. Oh, he had all this rationale. It was all for a for a good reason, but the simple fact was it was complete disobedience to the Lord. The Lord had told him what to do, and he come up with all these reasons why this was good enough. He didn't have to go that far. Compromise. The devil will try to get us to compromise. Oh, man, you got to be one of those Christians. Don't take the things you've got and use them for that. They're part of Egypt. They're part of the world. Enjoy the worldly things with them. Failing to recognize, hey, you're not going to keep one hoof of me. You're not going to keep one hoof of anything that I've got, my cattle. You're not going to keep my family. You're not going to keep me. You're not going to keep anything about us. We are 100% God. And God said, thus saith the Lord, this is what God said, Pharaoh. Pharaoh. And this is the way it's going to be. There is no negotiation because the only way I can negotiate with you is to disobey God. God has said, do this. He tried to negotiate and negotiate and negotiate. Folks, there's no room to negotiate with Satan. We'll lose every time. We'll lose every time. He'll try to put anything that he can, any distance, even the slightest compromise between you, the Lord, and what the Lord wants for you. You see, the verse simply says, neither give place to the devil. That's where he gets in, just in some little way, just getting us to compromise one little area of our life and somehow have us believing that, oh, well, you're still 99% right with God. 99% committed to the Lord. We need to be 100%. If we give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile. (laughs) Simple truth is, is that everything he negotiates, every compromise that he tries to get out of us, it's not for our betterment. It's for his. and It's for our destruction. It's my encouragement to you tonight. We've sung about it. We read about it. You see... Simple truth is, Moses and Aaron, boy, it would have been awful easy to compromise, wouldn't it? It would have been very easy to compromise and somehow rationalize that. But truth is, they were steadfast to what God had said. There was no compromise when it came to God's word and God's instructions. That's just the way it's got to be in our life. Let's not give the devil room in our lives. He'll work his way in and he'll take away our joy and he'll take away our effectiveness. He'll try to get us just to compromise these little things. There's no room for compromise with the devil. We don't want to give him any room whatsoever. If it violates God's Word and God's will, there is no compromise. We should never find common ground with Satan. He's, He's not somebody to find common ground with because we have to move away from God to find common ground with him. So however he tries to rationalize it, however better that he tries to make it seem for us, there's no room, no compromise, no room for the devil in our lives. Father, thank you this evening as we've just looked at these simple illustrations. Father, I know in reading this passage that you spoke to my heart. Lord, it's so easy sometimes. We live in a world when there's so much pressure around us, even even, Lord, from not just the outside world, but, Lord, those around us in our Christian world that have already negotiated and compromised and they think it's only right that we would do so as well. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, never, ever, ever to be unloving, but just as Moses and Aaron. Help us to stand our ground with the Pharaoh, with the prince of this world, just as he did with the prince of Egypt. Help us, Lord. Give us the strength that we need. Give us the determination. Help us to be 100% committed. Lord, it's not for our detriment, but for our help. We'll give you the praise for it in Christ's name. Amen. (music)